Hi guys, Candace here. So glad to get to spend a little bit of time with you today on The Good Day. Here, we'll focus on finding grace in our ordinary days. We'll learn good days don't just happen. And even more, a good life doesn't just happen. There's a choice involved. Join me as we learn how to develop the discipline and cultivate a heart that seeks strength, joy, and peace and finds rest in the good day, one day at a time. Hi guys, so today we have a dear friend of the good days with us. Ronnie Rock has shared on the Summer in the Psalms series for us and she is back talking about her book. And so Ronnie, tell us just a little bit about yourself, life in Austin and what makes you smile, what you've been thinking about, just so we can all get to know you even better. Oh my gosh, I could probably spend hours on what makes me smile, but <laughs> start with Yes, I live actually just outside of Austin. Um, I talk about this, it's like a family-friendly donut that is all around the city of Austin. And I feel like I live in the, that donut. It's a lot of suburbs. And so we have lived here for, gosh, a good long time. Um, I am I'm Ronnie. I am also called Gigi by two incredible grandkids. Um, but my real name is Veronica, my mom's favorite actress was a woman named Veronica Lake and so she had these dreams of me having like you know the long blonde hair that went down over one eye and all that kind of stuff I was a little bit too clumsy to (laughs) that Uh, but I've been Ronnie since I think middle school and it stuck and then when I met uh, and married the good man Brad Rock then it was stuck for good because then all of a sudden I became Ronnie Rock which sounds like a radio name (laughs) Um, but I love it and I work for a global organization called Orphan Outreach and we work in eight countries around the world caring for orphaned and vulnerable kids and families and doing what we can to help equip them to have really fulfilling meaningful Christ-filled lives in their own communities that's what we want those kids to change the world right where they live and so we do what we can to um to come alongside them we work with nationals though we don't think that we in the united states have all the answers so we make sure that we partner with folks that are in those communities to make sure those kids are cared for i also am a writer and and an author which still feels kind of strange even after all these years i've published three different devotionals uh, self-published and then one Woman Can Change the World that we're going to talk about was published, oh my goodness, back in the height of pandemical times and right after George Floyd was murdered and in the midst of everything that was going on with the 2020 presidential elections. I thought, you know what, if you ever make a list of these are the things that I want to have happen when I put a book into the world, do not add those things to your list, I promise you. It's been challenging, but the stories in the book have actually inspired me to keep walking the road of faith because the women in the book remind me that it's not about all the things that are happening outside, but it's what is happening right there in that space that I've been given. Mm -hmm. I'm also in Hope Writers, which is a writing community and lead guided hope circles. So I get to lead cohorts where we talk about everything from how to keep your joy um, in the midst of writing to how to have a sustainable writing life when your life may feel like it's all upside down and sideways. 
And I love to mentor writers and to just talk about the writing life and what it feels like and how to balance it all. And mm-hmm. you really want to write a book and all of those things. So that's me. My favorite pastimes are spending time at the table with people. Mm-hmm. And those that is what makes me smile, honestly, is good conversation, maybe a cup of something lovely or a really good meal and just getting to know the stories of people. Yeah. I love to be a part of the story of letting somebody's be seen and so there you go. No, that's beautiful. And I think that's what draws me to writing too is sharing stories, you know, and realizing that Jesus it was the old, the chief storyteller. Incredible storyteller. Yeah. Yeah. We get to be a part of that. He's writing stories in each of our lives. And so it's just powerful. And the gift that you have with words. I mean, I was telling you before we even pressed record that every word I can just tell it comes from the heart and it's powerful. And we're just so blessed by you. In your book, One Woman Can Change the World, you write that the trouble with women is us. Can you explain what you mean by that? sure can but I'll preface this by saying that the book is written I live in the United States grew up in suburbia and so my audience I'm speaking to women here in the United States or in countries where we have a lot of access and and this is not demeaning I know that patriarchy uh, patriarchy and matriarchy and oppression marginalization are real true issues. So we're not talking about those issues. What we're going to talk about though, is how we treat and perceive ourselves. And what I find in the United States is that we can be our biggest enemy as women because of the way that we compare ourselves to each other, the way we view ourselves when we look in the mirror, the way we define what success looks like. In the U.S. we are really, really great in particular about defining success by size. We even do it in the church. We talk about the fastest growing or how many baptisms we get. And we love to talk about bigger, better, brighter, bolder as the things that make us successful. As a writer, we are told that we have to build our platform and the more people that follow us somehow translates into the more effective the words can be or the more effective our impact can be. And so what we do is so often is that we begin judging ourselves and judging others based upon fallacies of what really defines the beauty of womanhood. We infight about the role of women still to this day. We infight about what a woman's place should a woman's place be in a home, caring for her kids. That's what, you know, it's hearth and home and what makes women really successful. And then you got other, on the other side, it's no, burn the patriarchy. Women need to be the leaders of everything. And you're like, wait, neither one of those things feels and sounds like Jesus. Right. Both sound harsh and judgmental, but we as women so often treat ourselves that way and then we define ourselves by that and then we define ourselves as failures mm-hmm. so often that i'm not doing enough i don't look good enough my body isn't shaped a correct way 
my, um, I don't have an appropriate talent. I'm too young, too old, not living in the right community, not having access to the creature comforts that somebody else may have, not having um, the connections that I need to have. And so to call ourselves fail failures and say that we have absolutely no impact or, or have no ability to really have an impact and never give ourselves a chance to be able to thrive in the way that God designed us and designed us from Genesis on. Right. Really, it is an incredible thing. We as women are in, it is incredible. It's breathtaking. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. As women, we fall into this. It's also just a human thing to fall into this trap of comparison. And, you know, after reading Proverbs 31, uh, this was a few years ago, and I had a friend who read it with me. And the end of it, she just jokingly was kind of like, I'm nothing like that woman. Like the Proverbs 31 woman is the ultimate businesswoman, the ultimate homemaker, everything. And it made me think of a friend that I used to teach with. And she was a new mom. And she said, you know, I feel like either I'm killing it as a mom and a wife, and I'm not doing everything I want to do in my classroom, or I'm killing it in my classroom, but I'm not doing everything I want to do as a mom and a wife. And so I'm curious to learn from your experience perspective who do you think that proverbs 31 woman was and why oh yeah and i boy the whole i'm either like slaying it all day or splayed <laughs> just splayed on the ground because i totally tripped <laughs> over my large feet as i started to look at the proverbs 31 woman because i was in that same thing of and what we give proverbs 31 it's like candace here's your wedding gift all beautiful <laughs> calligraphied, hang it on the wall and then have to stare at it. Or, oh, you're getting ready to graduate from high school or college. You're beautiful. This is the kind of one you need to be. And if we take it and we define it by this lit checklist mm -hmm. of what makes a, an incredible woman, we will all fail. Mm -hmm. All of us fail. And, but as I started to look at Proverbs 31 in its entirety, because we only look at those last, that last section of scripture and somehow make a whole thing out of it. Right. Look at the entire chapter, the entire section. It is actually written by a man, not a woman. It is written by a man that they think might've been Solomon using a pet name or familiar name. And if that's the case, is it says, that his mama taught him these things. Mm. And, and so she taught him everything that's in that chapter. Not just the, let's talk about this woman, but she also was talking about what makes a good leader. How do you treat people? What makes a, a strong kingdom? And he's talking about his mama. And if it was Solomon, that means his mama was Bathsheba. Mm. So a woman, she had been a wife. She had been violated sexually by a king right it wasn't that she just walked over and said hey david what's up he found her he pursued her and he was the king so he had rule so she had been violated a lot had happened in her life and yet she had risen to this beautiful place of power in the midst of oppression in the midst of exploitation and everything she had still risen so here's Bathsheba telling her son 
let me tell you, son, let me tell you what a good leader looks like. Mm -hmm. It starts with a leader. It's not like she says, okay, now we're going to switch gears and let's make a checklist about that woman you're going to marry someday. If you read the whole thing in its entirety, what you see is she starts likening leadership, which is interesting because wisdom is also likened to a woman. All of these beautiful attributes are likened to women. She then shifts and starts talking about leadership through the lens of a woman. So if you look at it with that perspective, all of a sudden it changes the voice of those scriptures, not from a, here are all the things you better do, Candace, better shape up woman, get up before dawn, go to bed after dark, get it off. <laughs> oh, and if you're not weaving the stuff on which you're going to make your sheets, then give it up. Right. It, all of a sudden we are seeing this woman who attends to her day well. She begins her day before the day starts and rightly setting her heart and her mind. She cares about those around her. She is not trying to change the world globally, but she does see the sphere of influence that she has and she's caring for them. She is doing her best to be a steward of what she has been given, right? So when things are going well, great. If things are not going well, she's not caught guard because she knows that things are actually not going to go well. She is creative. She's using the creative juices that God gave her. She is. So if you look at that, it's like, oh, it's not about these rules. It's all, it's me using the way God wired me or crafted me or designed me. Yes. And where he's placed me. And where he has placed me. Mm -hmm. He's not placed us all in a city center to go be entrepreneurs. Right. But he has placed us in a variety of, he has placed us in time. He has placed us geographically. He has placed us sociographically. He's placed us in all these things. I say in the book over and over and over again, and I have folks that will go, I don't like that second statement. I say, the women in this book have reminded me to be resolute, to stay small, and to fill the space I've been given. Again, if you look, and I talk about small, and small is not me, inconsequential or insignificant. It means instead of trying to do it all, I'm focusing on this, what can be held in my hands. Yeah. In I think one thing I've been thinking about is like, what has God uniquely given me? What is the role that only I can do? Like there are roles that I share, but there are roles that he's given just me to do. And so like prioritizing those. And so being very intentional. It's so easy to get caught up in thinking, I'm not doing enough. Instead of saying, oh my gosh, today, here's what today looks like for me. And it's just leaning in and listening and responding. that's all. Right. In your book, you share stories of a lot of women from around the world. Is there one story in particular that you feel like has challenged you the most? Oh, they all, they all have and continue to challenge me. There's um, honestly not a day in which I am walking through something that I think, oh, you know, this reminds me of something that Auntie shared about being faithful or this is something, this reminds me of something that Lucy said about, oh yeah, at the very first I thought, oh, I'm going to have such a significant impact on this world, watch me go. And now I've realized 
that I just get to be a piece of this amazing story that God is unfolding. Mm. So that one person that comes to mind right now, because I just saw her and just gave her her own copy of the book is a woman named Ina. And she is in Honduras. And it is about that whole idea of purpose and calling and what is God's will for my life. Um, because so often we, um, I don't know where we came up with it, but somewhere along the line, we came up with this idea that there is this perfect will of God that is like the center of some bullseye. And then there is this permissive will of God that I can't find a scripture for anywhere. But there's this permissive will of God that's kind of like the outer bounds of the bullseye that he's like, eh, you're kind of messing it up, but whatever, fine. And then there's the, oh, I'm out of the will of God. And um, instead of this idea that, no, God's will is simply, he, he's, it's made it clear his will is simply that I embrace his love and trust him enough to hold his hand and then walk these days and live my life fully every day, just live it fully. Whether that means doing three or I'm standing in front of thousands. That is, that is God's will. His will is that I love this life that he has given me. And that, that love then kind of leaks out on other folks to say, this is what it feels like to be loved, greatly loved by God. Mm -hmm. Love him in return. And Ina, the reason why I, I adore her is that she, um, she was living her life. She was a mom and um, loved to teach her kids and she had homeschooled her girls and stuff like that. And then um, she went through a difficult time and she was looking for something. She's like, you know what, what do I love to do? I don't know, what is God's will? Well, I, like to I do like to teach. So it wasn't like she sat on the mountainside and waited for anything. She's like, I, I, I like to teach. So she decided, to go into her community to see if anybody might need what she had to share. And she found this community and it's called La Invasion or The Invasion. And the folks that lived there had squatted on that land because nobody wanted to live there because it was this river that was heaped with trash and it would dry and then it would flood. So it was not really a desirable location. But she found out that the school there was overcrowded and the government had forgotten them. And the kids were struggling. And she's like, oh, I could do that. I could go in and nothing else and help them with a little bit of math. She went back to her church because she said, oh, our church says that it loves to help the community. So she goes back to her church because she's thinking, I'm certainly not capable of doing this. This is, this is the job for church people. And so she ran leaders of her church and she said oh my gosh I have this cool place I had found it and I think that we could serve there and her leaders of her church said not our problem they're on the opposite side of town they could never get to our church they could never be members of our church not our problem and so Anna just found somebody else that also had the same passion next thing you know there were grass mats putting them on the floor of the tiny building that they had rented and they started a program that today serves preschool kids, elementary school kids, and is starting a pilot program for middle school kids 
in the community that a church said was not our problem. And Ina, what I love is she just says, Ronnie, how do you know it's got you just dip a toe in? You just dip a toe in those waters. And if the waters start to part, you dip the toe in deeper. And that God, we could be all day long for leaders to tell us what to do. Mm-hmm. Or we could find that little nudge inside mm-hmm. and take one step, dip the toe in, the next step, dip the toe in. Mm-hmm. And someday then those leaders will likely end up following you. Yeah. Because you've all you've done is dip a toe in. And I love that because right now I'm, I am working on a possible second book. I don't know for sure if it's going to be a book, if it'd be a Bible study, or if it'll just be stumped my foot in a blog post or Instagram. And the only way I'm going to know is dip that toe in. Yeah. I'm, I have some ministry ideas, dipping a toe. And Ina, two weeks ago, said, Yeah, I said, You know what waters you're dipping your toe in right now? She goes, I'm thinking so. I'm doing a little dipping. She goes, I'm starting to feel this nudge toward older kids. I'm, I'm just wondering if there's, there might be something for me now with older kids. In addition, and the thing is she's totally stepped away from the thing that she did. She retired from that. Other folks are running it. She also didn't hold it tightly. She was like, I'm here for a season. Mm-hmm. There you go. But now she is Maybe there's, maybe there's a place for me with this thing I love to do, the mentoring, the teaching. So here she is once again, dipping. And I love that because it is, I will remind myself if I get overwhelmed by, oh my gosh, there's so many things. It's bound, all bound to fail. And I feeling pressure and I'm like, oh, Ronnie, just dip a toe. That's all I got to do. I love that because I think so much of, like God's will for our lives. We can kind of get lost thinking we're just like swimming in mystery. Like what is God's will? But it truly is like seeing a need that he's placed us where we are on purpose and being aware to the needs around us and the gifts that he's given us. And like you said, like dip a toe in, that's going to stay with me for life because it is, it's just, even with my own writing journey, I've seen, it's just been taking one little tiny baby step at a time. And it's really is as small as dipping a toe in. And we don't have to know every step we're going to take. It's just that one step and then see what he provides next and just keep taking these baby steps all along the way. And then eventually we'll look back and we'll see how far we've come. And even more than that, though, just how many people we've been able to help. So Anna's story is powerful and she is changing her world. She is. She has changed the lives of likely thousands of kids. But her goal was not to, I'm going to change the lives of thousands of kids. Her goal was, oh my goodness, there's somebody. I have a gift and a talent. And there's a kid, that one kid, that might benefit just from my time right? Just from my time. Yeah. 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 So, so good. Ronnie, before we go, I do have to ask you because 
I know you're doing lots of new things and dipping your toe out, you know, into new things. It requires courage. And so one thing that I've been trying to practice in courage is trying new things. I've even started a YouTube channel to hold myself accountable. It's called Let's Try That. And so curious if there's something that in the past that you've tried just for fun, whether you failed or succeeded or something you look forward to trying, that's maybe a little bit out of your comfort zone. Is there something that comes to mind? Well, you know, I could say something like, I need to finally learn to wakeboard, but that, <laughs> who knows about that. When I look at my writing journey, it started as just something that I enjoyed doing was putting words on paper. I didn't care if anybody else read them, mm-hmm. but then that led to writing something that I felt needed to be shared with one person that then led to writing things where I felt the nudge, maybe to share it with more people and so when I look at that and think look at these Ebenezer's or these stones of reminder that the Lord has built over time and I look back and I say he's been faithful every step of the way unbeknownst to me this last summer an opportunity came for the middle school girls that I walk alongside that they wanted to continue meeting we didn't have curriculum and so I was able to actually walk through this book that I've written for them. And so it's just cool to see, like, just take that next little step, that little nudge, whatever it is of obedience and God will provide the opportunities. And it brings a lot of peace that you're not the one trying to make it happen, that he is the one I'm inviting you into this journey. And so um, it's cool to hear your story and your experience with that too. Well, I, um, one of the things that I do write about the book and I'll be brief, but, um, is I talk about God being a God of the ampersand. And if anybody was in my office, they would see I adore ampersands, my favorite symbol. But I love that God doesn't say, Candace, okay, that was really good for today. Now put it away. You've got a new thing. Now you're going to put that away. You've got a new thing. Instead, God is this God of the ampersand. He takes a moment in time that you've already walked and he says, okay, now I'm adding to it. I'm going to put an ampersand there. And that moment in time, it, it is intact, it is whole, it is fulfilling in and of itself what you've learned, what you've experienced. Now I'm going to put an ampersand, and here comes the next piece, and then another ampersand. And he builds on your life and builds upon your journey so that nothing that you have experienced in the past becomes worthless or things that you just toss, but they become woven into that next piece of the puzzle. Yeah. And, and I love how he does. He revisits. He says, remember that thing you learned? It is so true. I've seen him do that countless times in my life. Like you said, revisit. And every piece, he uses every part of our story to lead us to where he needs us to be. Well, everyone, let's choose to do more than just agree with Ronnie. Let's put this mustard seed of faith that we've gained today into action. Now, we say it every week, but Jesus wasn't looking for us for his disciples to merely agree with him. He invited them to participate with him. And so let's join in. Let's think of someone in our life who could use some courage and remind them of God's will for their life, just right around them, right where he's placed them. And let's share what we've learned today. The book is called One Woman Can Change the World. And Ronnie, so, so fun getting to visit with you. And we'll have to chat again soon, especially with that next book that's on your heart. I would love it. Thank you for this wonderful time. It's been glorious. 
Let's find strength to do God's will by letting go of the pressure and simply dipping a toe in. May our joy build when the waters part and His peace be our guide forward. May we rest in God's sovereign hand to accomplish His plans through us. The good life, well, it starts with a good day, then another, then another. Let's choose to live the good day one day at a time.